Join us at our annual conferences in Surrey, Sydney and Florida to get up to speed on this year's theme of Next Generation ITAM. For more information, head to itassetmanagement.net forward slash events. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast, news, reviews and resources for ITAM, SAM and software licensing professionals. Welcome to the ITAM Review Podcast. My name is Martin Thompson for the ITAM Review. And on today's podcast, um, I've got Joe Powell um, from ITAM Eyes. I met Joe recently and caught up with him at a BCS event in London uh, just before Christmas. And um, I was pleased to hear that Joe is uh, embarked on a new venture and keen to get him on the podcast to learn more about his background and, and why he set up his business and what he's up to. So, Joe, welcome. Welcome to the iChat Review podcast. Oh, hi, Martin. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. So could we um, go right back? Where, where did you first stumble into the ITAM field? Where, where did you first get started? Um, well, I've, I've been in IT for about 20 years, but I think probably like most of us, um, it was uh, when I was customer side, uh, an audit took place and uh, I was the unfortunate soul that was um, chosen to help assist with that audit. Um, and in, in pretty much doing that, I saw you know, within the organisation I was in, there was a, an opening for, for this on a permanent basis. Uh, and we, the organisation put in place a, a programme to try and get a SAM team um, created from nothing. Um, so I was very fortunate that being part of the audit that I got dragged into this and, and pretty much well, I volunteered for it um, because I saw it as a very good, a good next step in my uh, IT career. And what were you doing in IT before that? Um, so probably for 12 years before that, it was um, desktop and server support. So it was anything from supporting the installations of the desktops out on client sites all the way through to managing the server infrastructure. Um, so, yeah, it held me in uh, good stead for when audit organizations came in and tried to talk technical. Um, I was able to easily rebuff uh, and, and deal with them on that kind of level. Um, so it, it proved very worthwhile um, in the audits we, we faced. I think a lot of people come up through that route, don't they, through the support teams and look at look at that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm going to say some of the colleagues I've worked with, um, again, at uh, customer side organisations or resellers have come through the technical route uh, uh, where they started on service desks, etc., and have gradually moved into um, these these SAM roles. So then, so you had that role at an end user, and then then what happens? Because you've had a mixed role of different areas of the industry, haven't you? Yeah. So um, so had a good good stint at a customer side uh, of the fence and then after after leaving there I jumped to the reseller side so I was working with um, one reseller for about four years uh, three to four years and um, that's where I then gained you know the the actual deployment side of uh, the tool sets um, that I'm primarily looking after and yeah it was you know helping out public sector organizations corporates educational institutions um, you know on their starting out or you know midway through their SAM technical journeys. So what you set up this new company to do this. Um, how did you 
get started and why did you make the leap into doing your own thing in the first place? What, what led you to set up your own company? Um, I would say I've always fancied being my own boss and the, the opportunity, opportunity presented itself. Um, they say, you know, if the time's right, you know, grab it with both hands. Um, and the, the time was right. So I, I took that leap of faith um, and hopefully the skill sets I have, um, you know, no, work, work are in demand, which I, which, which they are. Um, so yeah, it, it was just a case of the demand was there and the the time was right. So yeah, I uh, I, t- I took the leap. And for those um, listening to the podcast that might be aspiring to do the same thing and follow in your footsteps, um, and maybe you don't want to share this much information, but um, did you have a pretty good feel for a contract or a gig to go to and therefore you made the leap or did you have enough money in the bank and a sort of feel that there was enough demand and made the leap or what, what was the situation? Um, I, I, I went for the demand. Um, I, I believed there was a demand out there um, and it wasn't a case of having, you know, that golden nest egg to fall back on. So it was a, a very risky idea to do um and if it you know didn't pay off yes you know it would be back to you know good old-fashioned uh, working for somebody else um so yeah so it, it was a big risk for me to to take um and it, it's it's not been a smooth ride as anyone that runs their own business or starts their own business up will will tell you um but you know steep learning curves you know um really really push you to do good things well good for you kudos to you for making the leap and uh Everyone has to start somewhere, and you've made that leap. So awesome, awesome job! Oh, thank you. So, your what are you? You've set up this sound company. What are you specialising in? You mentioned about helping people make best use of their tools, whether they're starting out or somewhere along the path. What is it that you actually do? Um, so basically, like you say, I, I focus on the tool set. So I don't so much go into the process or the the. The, the ELP side of things. It's all about the data and how organisations can get that data with tool sets. Um, you know, moving away from your ancient spreadsheet um, lists, etc. Um, so what I do is speak to customers, um, whether you know whether, as I say, they're starting off their SAM journey or whether they're very much into it and just need that little helping hand to get them to the next steps. Um, it's talk to them. Uh, understand what their requirements are and try and then position a tool um, that fits those requirements. Once we've handheld them through that process, whether they've already engaged a vendor or they're thinking of engaging a vendor, you know, I will try and help them along that journey um, to get exactly what they need, not potentially what a vendor just wants to sell them. Um, the next step is Hopefully, once they've selected a tool set and realised that it's the one for them because it meets all their requirements or most of their requirements, it's then the helping to deploy that tool set, get it out to the estate, uh, and basically get that good quality of data coming in. And once they're in that position, it's then the hand-holding. Um, because things do go wrong. Questions do need to be asked um, you know, through the life cycle of a tool. And it's there being there to help the customer you know, outside of going direct to a vendor, um, which is obviously all still a possibility, but it's providing the expertise hopefully quicker than potentially a vendor can and, you know, giving 
been that customer that yeah we're looked after on a more personal level rather than you know potentially a bit more distance um, than that some people provide. And what what are the how do you set expectations for what these companies are going to experience with the sound tool? Because they might have got a pitch from a um, you know a, a demo from a from a company and it's the best thing since sliced bread and it's going to do it's going to solve all of their woes and be an instant audit defense against any software vendor and we all know reality is quite different from that so how, how do you sort of bring them back down to earth and set expectations about what this technology is going to do um qu- quite simply just be honest with them um you know I've, the customers i've dealt with so far i've found that obviously if you take that honest approach um you know salesmen are probably turning in their grave when you say that um it actually pays dividends that you know one tool will never do everything everything and as long as you can help the customer match their requirements whether it's you know a response to an audit and they need a specific vendor's data some tools do better than others for those vendors and it's just trying to help them match what the vendors are telling them to what they actually need and once you've gone through those processes and those questionnaires and you know the face-to-face meetings are always the best thing to do you know, you, they get a good feel for the tools they want or they want to take further um, in terms of, you know, sales meetings, et cetera. And, you know, it builds the relationship up with myself as well as the customer and the vendor so that we all get to a point where customer knows exactly what they want. Vendor knows exactly what they've got to deliver. And I'm helping them, you know, get that perfect marriage, shall we say. And for the, the companies that you've inherited there, or sound technology, and they're maybe having issues with it. Why, why, why are they bringing you in in the first place? What are the common issues that you see? Um, I, I would say the common issues are normally um, the ones I've dealt with so far um, have been around coverage. So organisations have, let's say, purchased a specific SAM tool and it's agent-based um, and they're trying to roll out the agent and internal processes potentially don't work um, or potentially are not understood. So whereas one person has said, you know, we're, we're buying into this tool set, we're buying into this SAM process, um, but hasn't kind of defined it for the rest of the business. So the desktop deployment teams don't quite understand it. The server teams don't quite understand it. They will, they will always push back. You know, I, I, I will know exactly how it feels um, from my server admin days. You know, someone asks you to install something on the server, you question it. You want that server to be stable. So, you know, it's engaging with all the, the parties within an organization just to potentially plug those gaps of understanding um, and, and things like that so that everybody knows what the tool does, why potentially things have stopped or stalled. And then, yeah, just again, helping them build build on what they've got already to get to those requirements that they were originally told uh, the tool would do. So where where's the fault there? Are they making mistakes in tool selection? What what's or is it just wrong expectations or poor communication? What's what what can companies learn from that from your experience? I would say it's a mix of things. It's potentially at the point of sale it's a very small set of people that have been involved so normally it will be you know there'll be a a c-level buy-in and they will communicate it to potentially someone in procurement so it's 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 
stays within that, well, Sam's your problem, so you're the one running it. Um, and potentially right at the start, they didn't engage very well with the desktop teams, the server teams and you know, project management side of things. Um, so, you know, they're off to a bad start before they even get going. And it's I, I would say it's that in, initial engagement um, that just needs to be done right. So hopefully that's where, again, the personal approach that, that we bring to the table really does bring dividends to the customer choosing to use us and, and you know help help get them down that journey we, we try and set those expectations right at the start get the right people around the table so that it's not suddenly sprung on somebody within the organization that you've now got to deploy this to your entire estate and they know nothing about it so your your um new company only exists because there are issues with tools people do need help um, and, and, you know, that, that implementing a SAM tool is not a point and shoot exercise. Um, so what, what would you recommend if somebody's listening to this and they're embarking on a, um, a new SAM tool implementation, maybe it's a new one, maybe it's a replacement, whatever it might be. What would you recommend that they ought to think about in terms of getting best value from it and delivering the, delivering the, the value that SAM delivers? Um, it's, I would say the key thing is get your requirements uh, down first. Understand what you need the tool to do. Um, that, that will save you so much pain down, down the line. Get the right people around the table. So if your tool is agent based, you, you will need to involve your desktop server teams, uh, your change management teams. If it's agentless, you're probably going to be opening network ports up. So you've got your, your, your securities, your network teams. Just get all those people around the table when you are embarking on this project. Um, because it is a long-term project, so these people will need to know about it and how it potentially evolves over its lifetime. You know, Get those people on board right at the start and say, this is what we need to do. Get their opinions, because if they say, no, we don't want to install anything on our servers, you're going to be focusing on an agentless tool that gets rid of X, Y, and Z from your shopping list. You know, and again, you can then get those expectations set with all parties involved to get the right selection up front. And also it goes back to your requirements, I guess, because if you're looking to do software savings by reharvesting software, you're going to need an agent to be able to track the usage typically. Um, Correct, so, if somebody, yes. so, so if somebody's blocking that from a technical point of view, you're Project's a non-starter straight away, isn't it? it? I wouldn't say it's a non-starter. It's you have to. You would have to then explain to the person that is providing that block the reason you're doing the project is to say to show cost savings through software reharvesting, and the requirement is we need to be able to do this. Again, you can then weigh it up to say, well, if we don't do it agent-based, we can't do this. The project will still deliver some benefits. Uh, and that's what you'd then report back in your business case that, yes, we've made benefits of this or we could get benefits of this, but we won't see some of these features unless you make a policy change to how we handle the servers or how we handle the desktops. Yeah, which is why it's really important to get senior management approval behind you because then they can make that call to say, actually, we've got to override your normal start about agents because we've got a job to do or, or vice versa. Correct. Correct. Yes. So when you um, 
When you're advising your clients, um, what do you say in terms of the effort required? So let, let's just pick a fictional company. They've got 5,000 employees, say. Um, they've bought some sound technology. What sort of recommendation would you give in terms of the effort required to look after that technology? And what sort of things should they be expecting? Because these things are not automated. Uh, they've come a long way, and there's some great technology and automation out there, but they're not fully automated. What sort of effort can they expect on a on a day to day, month to month basis? Um, again, it would come down to their requirements. If they were solely looking, and I've I've seen customers do this, where they solely want inventory data, they just want to know what's out on their estate. You know, they they're not necessarily heading down the same journey for I need to know my license coverage, you know, effective positions and things like that. They just want to know what they've got and where they've got it. Um, you know, potentially it's something they just need the data for, you know, the upcoming GDPR um, stuff. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, in that sense, it's a case of the effort isn't that much. Once you've got it for an agent based solution, um, you know, you've got your agents, you're putting them into your gold images and you're deploying those gold images or using a different tool set to push it out, like group policy. Once that's set up, the day the, the client will install or the agent will install on your machines the data will flow back in and it's just a case of then you know whoever is requiring that data just goes into the tool set and sees what data they need pulls out the reports they need and that's you know not much effort at all where they actually then go down the process mature or sort of mature processes uh, route and start thinking about well now we can put the licenses in because that's where we see the cost savings in reharvesting etc um, at that point that's where some you know tool vendors will say oh it does it all for you um, you need the effort you need the people you've got the technology you, you're starting to work on your processes but you need the people to do it so if you assign it to somebody you know on a half day basis once a month you are never going to be having enough data put into the system to understand your compliance positions. That person probably will not have enough knowledge to understand their compliance positions. So you start then either having to think about, well, do we give all this work to a third party or do we bulk up our internal teams to handle the tool that we've purchased to you know, keep it going and get the data into it that we need to get the return out of? So it, it, again, it goes back to their requirements on what they are trying to use the tool for, depending on how much effort um, they're going to have to put in. But one, one thing I always do say to a customer is it's not, as I say, it's not just the tool. You need the processes and the people. If you don't have those other two, uh, that, that perfect triad, you know, you, your SAM project will fail. So thank you for that, Joe. Um, if people want to learn more about what you do and talk to you further about these sorts of things and maybe they've got their own estate that they need help with. How do they find you on the internet and are you on LinkedIn? How do they catch up with you? Um, sure. Um, no, well, firstly, thanks for, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, and yeah, if anyone wants to find out any more information, um, I'm on LinkedIn um, under Joseph Powell. Um, so yeah, you can find me there and connect to me on LinkedIn. Um, but Itemize Solutions is also available on the as a website, so it's just itemize.com. Um, so yeah, go go look us up either on LinkedIn or directly on the web. And that's eyes as in eyeballs, ITAM eyes as in the eyes on the network. I assume. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Itameyes.com.
Okay, Joe, thank you very much for your time and good luck with the new venture and I look, to, to, look forward to catching up with you soon. Yes, no, thank you very much for having us, Martin. Cheers, thank you.